thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm a little bit excited because our beautiful Cindy's been away traveling the world again, but this time she's been in Namibia and we can't wait to hear all about it. Let's just start off with tart. Tart, travel tart. Mm, mm, Travel tart. Travel tart, jet setting tart. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's well, in Adelaide even as we speak, so the, 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 the travelling isn't even over yet. Give it to us, no, Cindy. It's... What have you been doing? Oh, well, I just want you to know that you two, being what you're like as far as princess, um, <laughs> because remember I'm Bear grills, I'm Bear grills, and True. you're princesses and tarts, and <gasps> I, it was a tough, tough experience. So <gasps> Even it for wasn't... you? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, no, I was thinking of you guys. I enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, we probably wouldn't, right? (laughs) No way. I wouldn't have liked it, would I, Cindy? No way. (laughs) Oh, my God. Tell us, tell us. I can't wait to hear about that. Let me just say this, that when she sent a photo of herself, when she'd landed back in Australia and sent a photo and said, we're home, I went back and went, and you look like you needed to do a face mask. No disrespect, but she looked a bit dry. <laughs> oh, and it was very dry. Oh, my gosh. It was so dry. It was itchy dry. Oh. Um, and and it's just dust. All, you know, all I, could, all I wanted to do when I finished that three weeks of camping and hiking and whatever else we did was... Shower? To, no, <laughs> shower wasn't my biggest thing. Ocean, get show me some ocean and let oh. me get in it. A coffee, I swear they have no idea how to make coffee. Nobody knows how to make coffee. Um, And I wanted to roll in green grass, just put my feet in green grass, roll everywhere. Like there was was this one place that we went to and it was called the Rhino um, um, campsite. It was in the middle of nowhere. Like to get there you do 10 kilometres an hour through rock cliffs and amazing scenery. Oh, yeah. And – they had a patch of grass there, and all, all I wanted to do was take my shoes off and put my feet on the grass. Oh, yes. <laughs> I would too. There's yeah. not a lot of grass. Not a lot do you know what? I always think that. I always think that when I go out to Kingaroy or in the Queensland where it's really dry, all I can think of is getting my feet, my bare feet, onto green grass. It must be the same thing. So, yeah, look at Australia is so much like Namibia. Mm. So, what made you decide to go there? Out of all the places in the world, of course, you've been just about everywhere by now, but, of course, what made you decide to go there? Well, we have some beautiful South African friends that um, we have travelled with every year for the last, I think, five years, since my 50th birthday, and it was her 50th too. Like, we're only a couple of days apart. And we went to Fiji and had a wonderful time. And it's been since then that, um, you know, they've invited us to Botswana, We've done Canada together, we've done Europe, we've done Scotland together. And so they, it was their dream to do Namibia and um, to do it and go to the remote areas like Land, which is, is where we went. So it, it was Howard that really wanted to go and me, with much resistance, oh, didn't yeah. want to go. I, I didn't, like I wanted to stay home. I don't ever get any time at home. So it was with much resistance that I actually did go and when I got there I just I looked at it and went oh my gosh it's like the center of Australia I've been there many times and but then um it just showed me an amazing sight it it gets more like the Kimberleys of Australia so the Kimberleys are rugged and high mountains and cliff tops and ancient lands and ancient people you know people that have lived in in those areas for years or have have not lost their culture and tradition and that's that's what got me not so much the animals like I love the animals but what got me was the ancient structures of 
um, rock faces. And and this is where Homo erectus started. This is where Homo habilis was. This is the beginning of man. Every human being has their roots from this area of the world, from Western Africa. And that's what I think when I realised that, because I hadn't read a thing on Namibia before I left. I didn't yeah. have time. I'm too busy reading other things. But this is the beginning of time. This is the beginning of man. This is where we moved from habilis to erectus to homo sapien. So this is what – and you could see it. You could see this ancient land. And I kept thinking, you know, how did they survive? And I I, I started to read the archaeology and geology and anthropology of the land, and that's what – um, I wanted to go to the 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 paintings that were in the amazing caves that were scattered around. So for me, it 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 really enhanced what I was doing as a nutritionist. So yeah, that was that was the the beginning for me was the the intriguing and falling in love with the land and the people. So when you when you got like when you got there. And you thought that it was like the middle of Australia. You know, like when you go to the middle of Australia, there are all those beautiful caverns and and rock faces and all those beautiful areas that you can go to. And then there's all the Aboriginal artwork that you can see that's been placed on on the rock faces. Was it similar to that? Did it tell a story? Yeah, very similar. And, yes, it did tell a story. And and I had a really weird experience there and I'm – Look, people might think that I'm really weird, but <laughs> um, they already probably think that. But this was the this was one of so. Let me start from when we we got there. So the capital is Windhoek. That's where we flew into, and that was where we got our food. And it's very modern, and there's a modern grocery stores and modern mall, and it was like you know anywhere else in the world that had country road and it had forever new you and you know it had. Woolworths and so it was all there so that was the beginning of of Namibia and then we went down to this um, huge desert um, and there's a place in the desert that breaks where a river used to go through and it's it's called Sousafle and it's down in the southern like not quite to the southern tip of Namibia but it's in the southern area of Namibia and um, it's this it's this amazing um, sand hills, red sand hills. And so we spent some time there exploring that and, you know, being aware that there were animals around. And so we saw a lot of antelope. There's, if you go further south, there's a place called Fish Canyon. And they say that it's um, second to the Grand Canyon. And you can do a five day hike down the Fish Canyon. We didn't get that far, but I intend oh, to go back and, that and do amazing. that five day hike. That sounds amazing. Yeah, look, I just think there's there's water down there and there's not a lot of water uh, above the surface in Namibia. There's a lot below the surface, a lot like Australia, you know, yeah, and yeah. animals know how to get to it and humans knew how to get to it. So that was, you know, intriguing that the whole of Namibia is, is basically um, living because of bracken water, water under the surface rather than above the surface. So they have these huge waterways like riverways and, at sometimes I thought that I was in the southern part of New Zealand, you know, where those big waterways were mm-hmm. and huge mountains um, with no snow, though, and no water to be seen. Um, and then and then you'd get into a, an, a stunning um, canyon. Like I didn't get to the second to Grand Canyon, but I got into other canyons. And you're walking through it, it's as dry as a bone, but you could see the history of where the water had been and how deep you got into these canyons. So that's that's where we started. And then we started to go north um, along the Skeleton Coast. Now, the Skeleton Coast is um, the Atlantic Ocean and it's this barren place. And the reason it's called the Skeleton Coast is the Portuguese, when they would sail down there, um, they would actually call it death sands or something like that and um, because they knew if there was a shipwreck and you survived the shipwreck and you got onto the Skeleton Coast, then unless you found one of the outlets um, where water was coming out and it emerged from the sand because it just goes underwater, I mean under land, they would not survive. They just they, they couldn't survive. It was like the moon. 
So you go from these red sands to a moonscape where nothing could live. You could, there was no plant life. There was nothing. But then there was a seal colony and then there was human colony. And so that was, that was really interesting, that skeleton coast. But it wasn't until we started to go inland from the skeleton coast and we went to a national reserve called Brandenburg. And I, I, I have to probably go back in history just a little bit to explain what Brandenburg meant to me. So last year with beautiful Jess Ainscoe, my father, um, Talon was there, Yvette was there. So people that we've talked about on the podcast that are, are very special to us. We went to a, a conference by a gentleman by the name of, um, gosh, many lives, many masks, Brian Weiss. Brian Weiss, yeah. Thank you, Brian Weiss. We went to this conference and it was all about past life experiences. So um, he did some group past life experiences and I had um, an amazing experience on this at this past life. And um, the experience was I was... Um, wearing furs, so I was in a very, very ancient time. And I remember um, I was travelling by myself. I wasn't travelling with anybody else, but I would meet tribes as I travelled. And there'll be people right now thinking, okay, she's gone off the loop at this point. But this is what I experienced. That's all I can tell you is it was vivid it was an amazing experience, but I was traveling by myself. I was wearing furs and I came um, to, into this open land with green grass and white flowers and this amazing mountain was in front of me and there was a glacier on the mountain and um, it, was, it was such a vivid experience. And then the next thing Brian said to me or said to the group, it felt like he was saying it to me because it's, I only remember this as a, a, an experience for me to remember, he said, um, now I want you to go to your death. And as I went to my death in that lifetime, I couldn't see, um, like all I could see was a whole lot of heads looking down on me as I left my body. And I remember when Jess passed away, uh, I said to to Kim, I said, look up because I want her to remember us when mm. she ever has this past lifetime. You know, this is Jess Ainscoth on her, her deathbed. Look up because I couldn't see any of the heads when I passed in this lifetime. So Kim's looking up wondering what the hell she's looking at. <laughs> Which I just think Jess would have giggled at, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping she's giggling and she, she understands why the two of us looked up. But all I could see were these black heads looking around. And But I remember I was a white woman. Um, I wasn't black, I was white. In another lifetime I was black, but in this lifetime I was white. And um, I remember crying as I'm leaving my body because I'm thinking I don't want to leave. This is an amazing life. This is, you know, which is contrary to what other people talk about. They say they don't want to come back, whereas I'm like going, don't. Don't take me now. I've got too much to do, you know. Mm. Um, so I get to Brandenburg National Park and I have this, that's the mountain. That is the mountain that I had in my past life. Oh, my God. And oh. Yeah, this, and it, I've never had this before. And I've travelled oh. through Europe, Sweden, Norway, and I've never, never seen it anywhere. And there it was. Oh, Cindy. Yeah, it was, it was really, and I kept looking at it going, how could it be? Because this is a dry, desolate land. There ain't no grain grass. There's no, there's no white flowers. There's no glacier. There's no snow. But that was the mountain. It was just so vivid. So I, um, I, did, I just kept looking back at it. I kept taking photos of it. I couldn't get close enough to it to really see if it had that same feeling. And I said to Howard, I want to go in there because there were paint, painting in there. Um, that I was reading about. I wanted to walk. Apparently there was a valley in there that was, there was a creek and grass. And But, of course, I was travelling with, you know, six people and I couldn't say, right, let's just travel another 100K on a dirt road that we can do 10 kilometres on <laughs> because I want to go in there, you know. But So I, I didn't get the chance to go in there. 
So we kept traveling and we ended up at the Rhino camp, which I have to tell you is one of the most magical camps that I went to. This is where I found my patch of green grass that I had to put my feet on. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, the caretaker there had decided, you know, that she um, wanted a bit of green grass. Um, And and she was, I don't know if she was Himba, which is one of the tribes there, but she was, um, they couldn't speak much English. She was very broken to say, hey, we want to, stay here but it was it was really cool and it was there that I started to read about um the ancient Brandberg um landscape and what it was and it was glaciers that that had created it and it was but once a lush land and and but this was thousands and thousands of years ago so I'm going in my um logical head I couldn't have been there because I was white and I'm, I'm going in my, um, you know, anything was possible. You know, we've lived on these lands for thousands and thousands of years. Homo habilis was 1.5 million years ago. Homo erectus um, ended and Homo sapiens started 400,000 years ago. So you can't, you, you, you know, we only know so much. And then I'm reading about this painting and... I know this sounds far-fetched, but I'm reading about this painting called The White Lady that has this thing that there's a belief that it was an Egyptian or Mediterranean person that had come down and had had lived among the tribes there. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, it was just one of those moments in time where you think, could – could that have been real? Could that have been a lifetime? Who knows? So do that was think, pretty cool. Do you think, Cindy, that you you could have been that white lady? Like looking at it like that, I remember when you texted me, I got goose pimples. Just the, I mean, why on earth were you there? You know, you've got to ask yourself, how did this happen and, and why were you there? And it just showed me beyond possibility of doubt that, there is no accidents and there if and if we're open to the possibility or the opportunity of what's before us and seeing beyond our eyes there's there's often more messages than we could ever imagine is is that how you felt yeah look it was the weirdest um it was like i'd come home um and i really felt it i felt and in the middle of the desert in a landscape that looked like the moon but then you had this Brandenburg National Park and this mountain that is beyond belief. It's just, you know, you can actually see that it could have been carved by, um, like, wind and rains and snows and glaciers and and it is a granite structure. That's the thing. It is this huge granite structure and around it there are other mountains and valleys and, and cliff tops and, and boulders and, you know, like it was just, but I did, I, it, like, even though it wasn't green grass and there was no white flowers and um, an abundance, what I felt of, 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 of life, because it wasn't, you didn't see a lot. There was this ancient plant, though, that they, they say this plant, and I cannot remember the name of this plant, but it looked like it was half dead. <laughs> I felt sorry for it, but they called it. A plant that has been around for millions of years, it stood in these grass, in this rocky, cavernous area. So we know that there is an amazing history there. And was I a part of that history in, a, in another life? And uh, I, I don't know, you know. And I, and as you say, Karen, there are no coincidences. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I think, you know, you know how we get deja vu. Mm. Yes. And sometimes I'll also dream something that will actually occur weeks or months or even years later and I'll remember that I dreamt it. And I think to myself, what on earth are we doing dreaming into the future? What, what, what is that? And what on earth are we doing having a deja vu where we've experienced this before, whatever it is? And I think that when you look at, and I know that this is really out there, but when you look at quantum theory, and quantum physics, it actually says that time doesn't exist on a linear scale. In fact, time exists stacked on top of each other. So in fact, every moment is occurring now. So 
it's it's not as if so, so when you go there and you say wow this was in my experience this was in my visualization I have seen this before I have felt this before there's a home sensation here I don't have the answers to it but quantum theory would say that yes you have been there yes you have experienced it that's why you do have a memory of it and it's a cellular memory more so than a um, an optical memory or a physical uh, not a physical but a um, you know like a, a visual memory it's more on yeah. a cellular level so it has so much more potency to it because the body remembers it and the, because from a cellular perspective you have been there before it's amazing to think about that and it's it's quite um, it's quite a mind blowing hmm. uh, way to look at it, but oh, I've just got I'm just covered in goosebumps. I'm covered. <laughs> it was just I, I and I couldn't talk to anybody about it there because they yeah. would have thought I was loopy. <laughs> um, even just my husband, bit. I'm sure, would have thought, "Oh, come on, Cindy, that's just that's just not possible." But it was, and I. I and he, he saw me looking back all the time as we were driving away and he says, what are you looking at? And I said, that mountain, it just, it's just stunning. I love that mountain. There's something about it or that rock or that, yeah, it's, um, and you know, I, when I was getting into this and I got into all of this when my mum passed away and then my sister passed away and, you know, I had all those women leave in that 12-month period and I started to read about, well, what happens after death? What is this all about? Why, you know, what are we here for? What's the meaning of our life? And so I started to read books. And the first book I read was Michael Newton's book, uh, Journey of the Soul. Mm. And then his next book, he, he has a follow-on book. And then I read um, Souls Don't Die or Souls Never Die. And this woman who um, was a very depressed woman who ended up um, – just watching television all day and one day um, a singer came on and sang and he she looked into his eyes and her depression just disappeared and she thought what what has happened why did I feel such something about this man and so she started to research past lives for some reason and she ended up finding out that the town that she lived in many years ago was in England and her and her husband they were American and her and her husband decided to go to this town in England and she said she could she knew where everything was in this town she knew where the church was that she got married into this man and look it was just you know she talked about this and the and her husband was just blown away the way she would go down this road is this church and and down here is this house that looks like this and they would go down and he knew she'd never been to England so um you know there is record of of people experiencing this there's a, a record of a, a young man that lives today that um he, he talks about um he he was drawing photos of fighter pilots and and pl of planes and names of planes and names of boats. And he was obsessed with this at the age of seven. And one day his father decided to look up the names of these boats and he f and planes and he found out that they were in a battle in World War One. I. And um, he would talk about, this young boy would talk about all these men and he found out that some of these men were still alive. And their names were as he said. So we actually, you know, have, um, you know, document. Oh, it's getting a bit, a bit of a sketchy line. Yeah, look, it is. It is. Uh, um, who knows? You know, you're talking about quantum physics. We're talking about actual people alive today that have said this. Um, and I just had that feeling. And I've never had that feeling anywhere that I've gone that I had come home that there was something about this place there was um, 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 and I knew I'd been there before but I kept my analytical and mine was going but you couldn't have been there's no green grass here Cindy there's no white flowers and how could a green grass have grown on this desolate land and but then when I read the archaeology of it I kind of went well it's possible it was a tropical haven it was where modern man started, he had to 
you know, had had, and you know, I was wearing furs. <laughs> it was <laughs> cold. <laughs> Cindy, you were talking previously about the barrenness of the land and and that plant that you can't remember the name of. And instantly to my mind, I thought of oils or plants like frankincense and myrrh, which do not look like the most attractive plants. They they are they almost look dead in a way, and yet. <laughs> through the harshness, I guess, of their environment, the deepest, most soulful, most phenomenal oils can come from these trees. Can you tell us about the experience you had with the the, the distillery whilst you were there? Yeah, that was that was just amazing. So I um, I had been with the Himba tribe, so we had gone into Kakoa land and. Kakoa land is, most people don't go in there. It's hard to get into. It's days of driving at 10 kilometres an hour through riverbeds. And I had learnt about these people called the Himbas, which I'd never read about. I didn't know anything about them. Um, and they're a, a race that they say has only been in Namibia for probably two to 300 years. And they're, they're, they have a, they believe they've come from Egypt, um, that area, so the Mediterranean, and they made their way through Africa slowly but surely as more and more lands became desertified, they had to move further down. So am I saying 200 years or 2,000 years? Like Now I'm, I've Thousands. lost. Yeah, I think it was 2,000 years that they, they came down. So the Himba tribe um, use these resins that they find on these ancient trees. And I had heard that they used okra, the fat of the goat. Um, they'll use the, the butter fat of the goat. And they used a, everyone would say it was a herb that they would use to, to put onto their skin every single day. So the women would spend three hours getting themselves ready, putting this, red fat with a herb on their body and I tell you they need it because mm. it is so dry over there they need it I'm sure they have stunning skins absolutely not, I can't say alabaster because it's not white but it's it's a black beautiful um, shiny redness to their skin and they they put dreadlocks in their hair and they put this red fat um, with this herb through their hair and I was trying to find well what is the herb that they're using like what is the tree what is the plant that they're using and I got to a place called a pua now a pua is like going into a Mad Max movie I swear mm -hmm. um, you walk through the town there are um, people in this town that are either dressed in himba with nothing on their breasts the women red as anything wearing ancient outfits that that don't show any of their skin versus other women wearing these outfits that were inspired by the German missionaries that cover them from neck to, no, from the tip of their head to their, their um, feet and they're the old, you look like you're in an 1850 Western movie where they're wearing these very colourful, though, not brown, but colourful long dresses with petticoats underneath, um, <laughs> completely covered, and then they're in, in, wrapped in this amazing scarf that goes past their head by double their head space in these pointers. <laughs> it was Like I swear, it was a Mad Max movie. <laughs> and then there was anything in between. So there were women that just put a bra on in their Himba <laughs> outfits. Um, oh, like I swear, I was in a Mad Max movie and we were the only whites in town. There were no other whites <laughs> in town. Um, wow. and How, did they they, How did they embrace pardon? you? How did they accept and embrace you? How did you... they embrace us? Yeah. You know, we got out and just flocked. Buy this, buy that, buy this. You know, like, yeah. oh, oh, it was just, it was... Yeah, but then there were people that just were walking along the town. Like you'd see a, like a himbo woman with a woman that was fully dressed and then a man that was dressed in his himbo gear with this and they the men um, with their hair um, and they wear these amazing head dresses, the, the women, and then the men with their hair just have like a, um, they shave the rest of their head but they have this really long piece that they have flicked up um, and it just looks like something out of Mad Max. <laughs> it's just, 
<laughs> did you feel safe, Cindy? Did you feel like it was a, it was a safe place to visit? Never ever. So, oh, except maybe. Maybe when I needed to go to the toilet in the middle of the night and I knew there were lions out there. <laughs> so, so you dropped yeah. out just a little bit then, Cindy. Yeah. Did you say you felt safe most of the time, except for when you went for a pee? <laughs> yeah, except for when I would pee at night, I was scared of the lions. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> I think most was the only other. You know, when we were living in South Africa when we were kids, um, there was national service in play. And the 16-year-old boys all had to go into national service and they would go and fight in Namibia at the front lines there. Was there any, yeah. was there any evidence of it being a war-torn area? Was, did you see any of that? Well, it, where they were when we went to, um, we went near it, we weren't exactly there, was the border of Angola and Namibia. Right. And... We went to a place called a Pupa, um, and a Pupa Falls is they could not have fought there because they would never have got past the waterway because there were crocodiles. Oh God! <laughs> oh yeah, we went for a walk. We we decided to go for a walk, and we came across a very big crocodile. Oh um, wow! Yeah, <laughs> but that's another story. That's another story. So. So the um, oh, so just if we go, if Kaz, we went east. Kaz, can you, Karen, can you just see her? The oh. next minute she's doing a bloody Steve Irwin. She's wrestling this yeah, thing. Death roll. Just picture death roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my you, you, can't, you can't swim in the water because there's crocodiles or sharks in the ocean. You can't, um, although I did swim, I must admit, I had to swim. Um, and I swam with dolphins, so there were dolphins in the bay when I was there. Oh, you cannot pee at night because there's lions and leopards and um, elephants and hyenas. Do they not you have can't. special people protecting the, the park with a gun? We had Willis. We had Willis walking everywhere with a gun when we peed everywhere. <laughs> but you've got to remember where we went was we weren't in a national reserve. There was We were in Kokoland. We were on the Harizib River. Nobody goes there. It's where the Himbas live in total isolation. Um, there were animals in some parts of the river, so we saw elephants and a lot of an like a lot of deer or um, what do they call antelope, you know, things like that. But um, did you actually have a gun with you with you guys? Like, did did no did the no guns, no guns, nothing. We just we weren't there. Did you have hair irons? <laughs> I had a torch. <laughs> Kimmy, she doesn't use a straightening iron when she's home. <laughs> I just, I cannot believe you're in the middle of a... Were you showering? This is, this is a question. Were you, were, you, were you clean? Well, in the end, I had to stop showering because... Um, right. Yeah, I had to stop showering because they use bracken water. It's high in calcium carbonate. It made my skin itch. I became a himble woman. Himble women do not shower. They just put the fat and the red okra over them every day. Nice. So I just used my coconut oil. I took my coconut oil and I would just, you know, do a sponge bath where I needed to do a sponge bath and then I would add more coconut oil to the, the next layer. Well, it's not a bad thing really. And did you add essential oils or something, things like that? Or was yeah, it just not? I had had all your essential oils um, and I picked up this uh, beautiful essential oil. So that's where this whole story was going mm. to was is that I wanted to know what was the, what were they using? You know, I had seen how they, they got this resin. It was this resin from the tree. They got, and they couldn't tell me because they couldn't speak English. Mm. So I, I didn't, mm. I could just see this, uh, like you said, this, you know, you preface this, Kim, with, you know, myrrh and um, frankincense comes from, I don't know where frankincense comes from. I can only tell you now where myrrh comes from. But it's this stubbly-looking tree that just lives in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. um, and it, it exudes this sap that turns into a resin. And the Himba women collect this resin and they they use it in their um, their they, they smoke it in their homes. They, and I don't mean smoke it, but 
use it as an incense in their mm. home. They um, put it. They put it in that butter okra mix that they rub onto their skin. And by the way, I was with him of women, and there was no smell. They smelt absolutely neutral, if not beautiful. Mm. And so anyway, I get to this town that looks like Mad Max. I've walked into a scene of Mad Max, and it's called a pua. Stay in the Apua Lodge, which is high up on a hill. And I noticed on the front desk, so, you know, we've got a little bit of luxury. So I noticed up on the front desk that there's this place called Sense of Namibia. And I I look at it and I think, I want to go there. So I said to Howard, I want to go to Sense of Namibia. I had no idea what it was about, but it just, I was intrigued by it. So I've got this mud map and it, it, you only have mud maps there, how to mud map and I'm and we're in the middle of nowhere and we're turning down these turns and how it's going are you sure you've got the right place and I said I don't know but this is the way I've got to go and we end up um like I said in the back of a pua um turning down all these dirt tracks and we end up and there's this this place that I come to that is like an oasis and it's you walk into it and it is just done with perfection as far as they've used the rocks and the the trees to make this um, oasis of a place. And there's this smell that exudes from it. And they create essential oils. So let me explain why this place was created. So the Himba women collect this resin from this tree. And I, I'm sorry, but I've forgotten the name of the tree, but... I can get that name. It's it, and it starts with O because everything starts with O <laughs> over there. Um, so I would say to my husband, I would go, "We're going to this place that starts with O." I, I could never say what it said, but it's this tree that starts with O. Um, and what had happened is they collect this resin, and it's myrrh. It's it's frankincense and myrrh. That's what this resin is. And they would send it. They would send it to Paris, and Paris would create the essential oil myrrh. And then they decided that a lot of the the wealth from myrrh was being sent out of the country, and that there was money that was needed um, for the Himba women, and uh, and that they would create a distillery in the middle of Apua. And there were three beautiful um, Himba men there that were running it. So they would go out into the community. The women would collect the um, Mopani leaves and they would make a Mopani oil and the, um, the resin from this tree and they would make myrrh. And that was their two commodities and that's all. It was just a Mopani oil and the essential oil and the um, myrrh essential oil. And the myrrh you would, I can't remember, I did send it to you, Kim, the mm. exact amount of resin that would need to be collected to create 4.5 litres. Well, you've got here, it needed 35 kilograms of mopani to make 450 mils of oil and 50 kilograms of resin for four and a half litres of myrrh. You purchased yeah. 10 mils for $5. It's yep. insane. It is for five dollars. That's amazing. And, you know, you think about if it had gone to Paris, and what would we buy, Kim? What do we buy myrrh at? You, you would know. Myrrh sits what in the fifth, in the fifty dollar mark for ten mils, at least minimum. Yeah, fifty to one hundred, depending on which one. So yeah. So ten, ten I, I just I used myrrh and coconut oil, Kim. No, you, you couldn't have used a better. You couldn't have used a better product. You couldn't have used better things. I mean, Karen, even as a beauty therapist, you you would know that sometimes getting back to those real raw. I mean, that's where the most therapeutic value is when it's instantly extracted. Coconut oil, you can't get much better than that as a skin treatment. I mean, we're going to start calling you Himba Girl. <laughs> <laughs> No longer, no longer am I going to be bare grills. I'm Himba girl. <laughs> oh no, no. no actually, no. I think no. I think you're always going to be bare grills. I think yeah. you'll be you'll be Himba bear. 
or, or yeah, himba bear or bear himba. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I have to tell you, this community project was really uh, look. I, I just loved it, and the the gentleman he could speak beautiful English that showed us around. Um, and he showed us a video of them going out into the communities and collecting the, the resin from these women and the, the Mapani leaves. And then he showed us the distillery. And it was a very basic distillery. Like it was just, um, you know, a small room like the size of a, a very small bedroom. And there were, um, I'm trying to think, three stainless steel canisters. And he showed us you know, when he had heated up the Mapani leaves and the smell of the Mapani leaves mm. when they were heated. It's very much like a tea tree smell, mm. so it's used mm. as an antiseptic. But when you look at the medicinal purposes of the myrrh, um, and I bought you guys, by the way, um, <gasps> I bought you a bottle of each of Ooh. the myrrh and the, um, and the Mapani. Yeah, oh, because <laughs> And they make... Um, they make lippies and scented perfumes with the myrrh. And mm. for the most part, they were good ingredients. There were some that I stayed away from. I thought, oh, if I bought that back to Kim, she'd kill me. Um, <laughs> but but myrrh is used through the history of time for cracked skin, broken skin, dry skin, skin that needs healing. It is, mm. it is such a – and combine that with frankincense and you have the most phenom- – it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Well, it's not amazing. Those two and, and the Mapani for antiseptic, think about it. Out in the middle of that desert-like environment, those are the things as a human being that you would certainly be calling on to support your body, skin and health. And they just naturally and instinctively know it, which is uh-huh. the part that I think is, you know, just it, it's magical. It's magical. Yeah. They know. Look, and, and that's that's the thing that, that we see it as, like, think about Jesus Christ. Yeah. When he was born, the, the kings bought frankincense, myrrh, and what was the third one? Gold. Gold. Gold was you the know? gift, the three gifts to and, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and here I was in a land where humans began, and myrrh was one of their main things that they used for many purposes. But the Himba, like the Himbas, um, I have to tell you, their diets were like, you know, I always talk about culture and tradition and diet. So let's talk about their diet and how they, they used roots of trees to make porridges. And then a lot of the, the trees, such as the Mapani and the um, this other one that made myrrh, um, you know, they... They they were they knew how to find this on their land of that was had be, was becoming a desert and um, they were herders so all they ate was dairy they ate dairy and meat of the herd. Can I ask you a question on that, Cindy? Then, if that's the case, if if so, you know, they herded oh, goat um, and this weird-looking sheep, like. Um, yeah. Sorry, darling, you're, you're just, we're losing you a little bit there. But I just wanted to ask you, from a point of view of the paleo lifestyle then, where people are saying that they didn't eat dairy and things like that, it sounds to me like dairy has been around for a long, long time. Can you just explain why it is so beneficial or why it was so beneficial as opposed to not having it? Well, they would use uh, the root of a tree to dairy, so they actually fermented the dairy. Um, they would drink it raw, but for the most part, they would use this root of a tree to ferment the dairy, um, and then and they would make it so that it would last. Number one, and probably nutrition. Number two, but they wouldn't have known it was nutrition. But that's just what they did. They also fermented their meat. By the way, they dried and fermented their. Mm. Um, it was so. At the Apua Lodge, and, and there was a sign up that said, and it was a beautiful sign, and I actually um, talked about it in one of my Instagram posts. That it said it was a soul kitchen, and it was um, a kitchen from the Himba, and there were um, foods that were coming, you know, out. It was it was a traditional kitchen, mm-hmm. so I'm like going, 
yay and there was a smorgasbord that night and I'm thinking great I'm going to have mapani bugs and goat meat and fermented milks and so I was really excited about this this is what it said in the front of the lodge and I I got me being a nutritionist got very excited by this (laughs) and I get there and I look at the smorgasbord and it looks like um oh what's that um that place here in Australia that you go to and you pay 10 bucks all you can eat. Um, oh, oh, it's the Sizzler. 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 Yeah. It looked like freaking Sizzler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. And I go, awesome. Uh, except, except there was some game meat. There was, um, I think, Kudu was in there and um, maybe Elan and some Springbok was there. So there was some game meat there. But there was, there was just desserts that looked like something coming out of a confectionery place and oh my gosh I was just mm-hmm. I, and I went up to the chef and I went where where's the the soul food where's the- <laughs> <laughs> and and anyway it ended up being the owner that was standing there and the owner said to me oh westerners wouldn't eat that mm-hmm. and I said but I would I want a mapani bug you know and then he goes, oh, my gosh, you would get sick on the Himba food. And I went, why? And so then he explained the whole fermentation of the meat and the fermentation of the dairy. And and I, all I could think of was, no, I'm going to get sick on this Western food that you're providing. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get sick on the Himba food, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just hysterical. So nothing vegan. A Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing vegan then, so no, no, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. You could go. Out, hey, Kaz, you could go out and eat with the elephants and the antelope. They eat grass. Yeah, I yeah. I'd eat the grass that everybody's peed on because there was only one patch of it. So, <laughs> so Cindy, can you tell us that the whole three and a half, four weeks you're away? What are the greatest lessons you learned and what, how, how can you apply that to our everyday life? What can you teach us that you took away that you would never have known or thought of had you not done this trip? I think everything for 30-something years um, about anthropology, culture and tradition, Oh, um, oh. No, we're going to need her to start that again. Yeah. She has to start again because none of us heard any of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So for me it cemented the past 30 years. Oh, and <laughs> Oh, hang on, sweetie. Have you moved? Because we need you back. This is this is like a million dollar answer. Yeah. Hear it. <laughs> okay, okay. Shall we try again? Go okay, stand I'll stand near a window. Go stand near a window. Okay, shall do. Shall do. Shall do. Oh, that's better. Can you hear me now? I'm standing yes. by a window. Yes. Okay. So what is up with? <laughs> Stick your tongue out. Hold your hands up in the air. And now rub your belly when you're talking. (laughs) All right. Okay, sorry. Okay, so what it did for me was cement 30 years of um, learning. And that was learning of anthropology and the importance of culture and tradition the what past lives are all about. Um, So for me it was just cementing everything I've learnt over the last 30 years. It, it was like a culmination of all my learning was sitting there in Namibia um, teaching me important and what was not important. But what was really amazing was that I had no um, jet lag and oh. I believe it's because I went from Windenhook straight into um, the outdoors, in, into nature and the moon and the stars were my light there was the 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 fire was my light for 1.5 million years we've used fire for our light an orange light i was in no blue light i i just completely my 
circadian rhythms turned immediately to the way they should have been, where it was the exact opposite to Australia. We were 12 hours difference, basically. So when you were sleeping, I was awake. And when I was awake, you were sleeping. So um, the, the whole circadian rhythm thing, the whole culture and tradition, everything just came together um, at that time in, the, in that three weeks. And you got to touch on all things, Kaz and I. You got to experience, obviously, different cultures and different ways of thinking. And you probably, well, you did. You had moments where you were just in your own little world and your own little quantum physics experiences. You got to experience amazing oils that, uh, from its absolute rawest state. So you had me there with you. And you actually got to um, to really be at one with nature and pee with lions and and talk to the elephants and and so just just give us a little bit more around. I'm just trying to still get my head around how you toileted and how you kind of. I know you kept clean with the oils and the and the coconut, but I mean, were you just if there was no ant hills or things? How did you did you do number twos and things? To, I mean. Just, just give me a little bit around oh, that. I really? just, I'm just trying to get my head around that. Do we that. have to do that? It was such a beautiful show. There was so much bliss in the show and now it's been reduced to poo. Well, well, I could have gone the other way and said, and did, you, did, you, did you enjoy any romantic interludes in those moments while you're out in the middle of the forest? Oh. I mean, you can, uh, in the middle of the desert. You can give us either if you like. Oh, good grieffliness. And did you have your whiskey every night? I'm just asking. Maybe it's the whiskey that helps you have the romantic interludes and therefore you don't mind going for a pee or a poo. I'm just asking. <laughs> oh, I never did. Well, to all I our listeners, I'll tell you about this one this one um, place that we went to. We're in the we're, like if if there was rain happening anywhere, we would have been flooded out because we're in this river um, bed. We were staying in this river bed. Um so we were all camped up and um, there was a thought that there would be lions around. So everybody was saying, you know, be very careful if you decide to get up to go to the toilet. And um, and Howard had, being the Bear Grylls, Mr Bear Grylls, he had um, in the daylight dug a huge hole, put rocks around the toilet paper on a stick and said, that's where we will be doing our number twos, and that's where the six of us would, would go. That would be a place where we'd go. So, so sorry, I just, um, I just I'll, missed I'll a this. Did was, you dig a hole? Yeah, you... Howard dug the hole. He dug oh. the hole with the to, 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 to do this because you, you don't want to leave your mark anywhere. You want to be camping where you do not disturb the environment. You're in a, a, an environment that, you know, um, is not being disturbed. And so you want to do as low impact camping as you possibly can. And so this is what we would do. We had done that and we that. And you can pee anywhere. It doesn't matter. But, you know, number two, we, we made sure that we cleaned it away and packed it away and nobody knew where it was. So anyway, um, it's the middle of the night. We're in the middle of nowhere. And for some reason, our car decides to start doing the, you know, the the, the the, the horn starts going off. Oh, no. no idea why it's going off. Of course, everybody thinks that there's something happening in our can because our car, we, we sleep on top of the car because you want to be away from animals. So your tent is on top of the car. Oh, so, of grief. course, everybody's. Oh, no, yeah. you didn't tell us this. What do you mean? Everybody's... Are you talking Are you talking a Ford sedan or are you talking like a ute? Give me. A, what? A, a four-wheel drive, so we had a four-wheel drive and the tent's on top of the four-wheel drive. Really? And you oh, think a lion's yeah. not going to get you up there? Well, you, you have a ladder, a very thin ladder, and there's no way it can get up there. So you get a ladder and it's, it's the only way you get up and down is with this ladder. So, no, it can't get up there. In one jump it can't get up there? Like in a big jump it can't? Mm. Well, apparently no one's been, no, it's not done it to anything, <laughs> Oh, Kaz, oh, we'd be the first. God. The first. Oh. If we were there, we'd have been gone. They would have gone, oh, let's eat that tasty little white morsel up yes. there. Let's sleep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what, what ends up <laughs> happening is um, the horn starts going off. 
and it's like four in the morning and I'm hanging out for a pee and I said to Howie after the horn went, went going, I went, well, there'll be no lions or any animals around now. So I just got down, went to the toilet and got back up again. Oh, my <laughs> And the Lord. whole camp, because the whole camp is just, there's only three vehicles. So there was only um, six of us there, so three couples. The whole camp just went, oh, my gosh, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere and the horn starts going off and, yeah. Oh, so that- there you go. You've got number You've got number two, you've got we, the thought that something was happening up there because that was what was moving the car. So there you go, Kimmy. <laughs> the shagging wagon. <laughs> Um, so okay, so girls, you, I mean, Cindy was this. This is amazing. What, what's kind of like got me fired up a little bit is the fact that the three of us are going on an adventure next year, and and it's going to be obviously different. I dare say there'll be a lot more grass than this. But Machu Picchu is coming up for us. What do you think we're going to be able to take away experiencing something like that together with the people that are coming with us? How do you think this will differ or are there similarities or what would be your thoughts around that? Well, number one, circadian rhythms. They will understand the circadian rhythms and how well people will sleep. So, and um, just, I don't know, there is something magical about getting into nature and getting into old cultures because the South American culture is, of course, an old culture as well. There are still people in South America that um, have not seen white people and live um, in very in a very ancient way and still live through culture and tradition. There's also that spiritual aspect of South America. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if anybody feels what I felt in Namibia. I never expected what I felt in Namibia. It just was just, um, it wasn't even deja vu. It wasn't that feeling of deja vu. It was a knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our people, it, I'm hoping for the same experience just on a different continent because remember that Africa and um, South America were once joined, um, and there is proof that that, that 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 joining was there. So that will be. I'll, I'll, I know I'm really looking forward to that um, two weeks that we will have there. Mm, I can't wait. In fact, actually, for everybody who's listening to the show, we've actually got two spots that are still available. If anybody <sighs> wants to still come along, honestly, I. It, it's we have to actually close off the bookings at the end uh, at the end of July, so we can't take any more people after the end of July. So uh-huh. if anybody is keen to come on board with us, all you need to do is send me an email. To send it through to me personally at info at karensmith.com and it's c a w r e n. S-M-I-T-H dot com, just in case you guys don't know how to spell my name yet. Um, So have a think about that. Send me an email and I can send you some more information of it. Again, there's only two spots going. So um, a husband and wife would be great if you want to have a bit of a holiday. We've got a handful of people coming who are then going to go on to um, South Africa, Cindy. They're, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, actually, one one particular couple's going to South Africa and another one's coming and then going on to Spain. So. Yeah, yeah. So there's a handful of, of people who are joining us that are actually going to make a big holiday out of it. Um, so it's going to, I think that that would be just fascinating to go to Machu Picchu and then onto South Africa. It'd be extraordinary. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I actually cannot wait. I bought my Kathmandu jacket the other day. I'm just saying because there was a special on. And I just, <laughs> I cannot imagine that we will all be in that exquisite part of the world. And Cindy, I mean, I can imagine you sharing stories with us the whole time we're going around and giving us analogies and, and absolutely giving comparisons and similarities. I can't wait to be under the stars with you both and to truly, I, I cannot begin to tell you how much my heart and soul is craving it, but also how much I am so excited about sharing it with two of my absolute besties on the planet and, and it's the special souls that are coming with us. Oh my gosh, it's I, I'm, I'm excited as can't wait. Yeah. So it's May May next year, isn't it? Yes, it's the end of May through to the beginning of June. So it's ten days, and we are flying from Australia. We're flying from Sydney to um, South America. We've got uh, I can't remember that, but there's there's Santiago, Lima, and Cusco, and then we do the trek. And we've got 
um, four days on the trek, staying in exclusive little lodges. Yes, we are. <laughs> no rooftop beds here at this place. Oh, no. There no. should be no camping. No, no. We shan't be camping. No, we don't, we don't rough it. Not when Kazza comes along. <laughs> so... <laughs> so we've got these beautiful cobble, cobblestone lodges that we're staying in and they're exclusive just for us. So nobody else is staying in them. We've got all the beds booked. And um, then we're going to we, we're trekking along on our own little um, Inca trail with our very own special guides. So it's quite, it's quite stunning. And then we fly back into Cusco and then um, I can't quite remember the itinerary from there, but we've got Cindy taking us to markets. We've got spectacular food and restaurants that we're going to. We've got shopping days. Yes, we have. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely going to be spectacular. And then we get this magical time at the top of Machu Picchu where, the, um, where all the tribes used to live and the, the kings had their beautiful palaces. And then we've got a beautiful meditation period that I'm going to take us all through where it's, it's going to be quite a transcendental experience. So for people who are looking for an opportunity to go beyond themselves in an environment that is totally spiritually um, infused, that's, that's what this is really going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be profound. And I have been working on a special blend that every single participant will get to take with them. So I'm actually creating a special South American Machu Picchu essential oil blend that we will all take with us that we can use as our anchor into this experience. Yay! How excitement! Mm. Mm. Oh, stop, stop. It sounds too good. Mm. And Kimmy, you need to let us know about any training we need to do, girlfriend. Get your butts out there and just keep walking. Walk, walk, walk. Use hills, use stairs, use climb. Like, okay, I will get something together for you. But at the meantime, just get your legs and body used to long walks and just constantly knowing what it feels like in different shoes and finding out that's your, that's your homework. Those of you that are coming with us is to start really acknowledging the different clothing and the things that you feel comfortable. Start Googling what people wear on these treks. You want layers, but you want light layers. So, you know, your, your icebreakers, your, your Kathmandu's, they have all these beautiful, um, you know, very light, but they're actually very warm clothing, but you also can take off layers. So that's the whole key to it is to make sure we're layering lightly. Mm. Cool, cool. And no stilettos, Karen. Damn, I was actually wondering about what I would wear in shoes. Mm -mm -mm -mm. <laughs> Just means I'm going to have to go and purchase me a fabulous little number. <laughs> Maybe some hiking boots. Yes. And, and if you are going to purchase hiking boots, purchase them six months before and start walking in them and, and wear them in. Make sure that you, there's no blisters, Miss Karen. Oh, God, <laughs> could you imagine the whinging? Could you what? imagine the complaining? Cindy, <laughs> can you carry me? What's your recommended <laughs> hiking book, Cindy? What's your recommended make? Well, well there's, there's some really good ones out there. So I, I have Meryl, but Casey, oh. my daughter, she bought herself a pair of um, Solomon, loves them. And then my girlfriend, Ricky, who I do a lot of hiking with, she's got Keens and she loves those. So... It's a matter of going to Kathmandu or Mountain Design or Anaconda and not just Dolce trying. Gabbana. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, we're not going to Dolce <laughs> And we're not going to, what's that one? Um, um, Prada, Sergio Rossi. No, Which one? Um, <laughs> it's a double-barreled name. Um, Jimmy Two. Jimmy, Jimmy Two. Two. No, Jimmy Two. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So oh. I would just get there and start, if you haven't got some hiking boots, and walk in them, you know, and even put a backpack on your back and get used to having some weight, like add rocks um, all the time and start doing mountains. Because remember, we are above, way above sea level. We are not at sea level. And um, it's important that you realise this and maybe even um, do some higher mountain climbing. So if you live in Victoria and you're coming, go and do some mountain climbing in Victoria. Maybe um, if you're in Queensland, go to up towards the granite belt somewhere and do some hiking. And if you're in Sydney, go to the Blue Mountains maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, because that's one thing that um, I noticed or I read that a lot of people get altitude sickness because it is so high. 
but they do have, um, interestingly enough, they do have a spray that one can spray into one's mouth. It is a cocaine derivative, I have heard, um, that it stops the altitude sickness and they make it available to all tourists. Yes, they do. So I think it's probably best that we prepare ourselves prior so that we're not spraying foreign objects into our lungs. <laughs> Hydrate. Yeah. Hydration is one of the most important things with altitude sickness. So just make sure you will just make sure we're all hydrated and we'll do the best that we can. And and it's it sometimes it's hit and miss. I've seen husband and wives go up Kilimanjaro and the husband can't make it but the wife does. Yet he's fit and she's not. So it's got nothing to do with fitness. So um, you know, let's hydration is one of the most important things, and so we'll just we'll just make sure that we that this will go out to all the participants. And there is a private Facebook group for everybody who is already booked in to go. Um, there's a private Facebook group that everybody's in. So, yeah, cool. Nice. Nice. All right. Awesome. 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 Well, okay. wonderful. The- well, we'll chat about it. So we've only got two places left. Yes, we've got two places left. Two places left. We can take fifteen, and we're up. To, we've got thirteen, including all of us. So um, we've got two spots left to join us on the on the trek. Yeah, beautiful. Can't wait. Awesome. Welcome home, Cindy, baby. Welcome. Yes, congratulations on your beautiful trip. Thank you. I loved it. I can't wait to get my prezi because it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm home, you'll get it. <laughs> we missed you. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to getting home. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say she missed us. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't notice the reciprocal there. Oh, you don't miss the trick, do you? <laughs> oh, she doesn't, does she? But no. she, you know that I've missed you all. I've, I've, yeah, I always miss home base and you're part of my home base. Good yes. girl. Nice, nice. You got nice. it then. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, hopefully you've loved this podcast as much as we've loved loved doing it for you. Make sure that you go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments there. If you guys are interested in coming to Machu Picchu with the beautiful Kim, Cindy and myself, then go to um, send me an email at info at karensmith.com and I'll send you more information on the pricing, the payment plan, all that sort of jazz. You can also post your comments at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. So join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We just love hanging out with you on the ride. See you next week, everybody. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.